Welcome to Thriving with Mental Illness, a podcast with real talk, an open and honest conversation about issues surrounding mental health. There are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. I'm Mikkel Buck, author, public speaker, and suicide survivor who's lived with mental illness for over 20 years. And with me is my guy, Adam. Hey guys, we're back. We had a little bit of a break. We had some very exciting news. Although, do you want to start with the meme or the exciting family news? Let's start with the meme because the family news is so exciting. I'm definitely going to run away with it and forget what's happening. Well, there's a little (laughs) teaser for you. So stay tuned. All right. All right. (laughs) The meme of the week comes to us from Bipolar to Life, who we love. Uh, Her meme says, how do people stay in the house all day? Uh, All my stuff is there and I don't like people. (laughs) <laughs> what's so hard so simple I don't, I, don't, <laughs> I don't understand what you're not understanding <laughs> I laughed out loud for so long at that one <laughs> and then I had to send it to Sam he and I both are like inside the house people that reminds me of the uh, the video didn't you show me a TikTok of somebody that says like uh, introverts at the home oh my gosh yeah <laughs> it was like how introverts at home or something like that and somebody rang the doorbell and everyone was, like, hiding behind the wall on the stairs. <laughs> oh, I was thinking of a different one. That one is also a good one. I was thinking <laughs> of the one where it was kind of like, what in the world do you do at home all day? And then it shows a guy, and he's, like, presenting his bed, you know? <laughs> and then he goes up, and he pre- opens the fridge, and he presents all of his... He's just by himself, like, videoing himself, you know, presenting. And then he goes and presents the couch that he sits on all day. I'm like... What do you mean? What do I? I have so many things I do. I don't know what what you mean. What do you do? This is what I do. Uh, so if you're one of those that enjoys being at home, we we feel you. Yes. Yes. Mm-hmm. We understand. All right. So family update. So family update. Okay. Um. Do we blurt out just the big news, or just do we lead it. up? Just say it. We have a grandbaby. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Max yes. and Savannah had their baby. He is the most beautiful, intelligent, uh, <laughs> talented baby who's ever been born on the whole planet Earth. Obviously. 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 Yeah. In two weeks, we can tell. We already. Oh, we knew it the second he was Week born. Week and a half. We what did. Yeah. He was born July 5th. His name is Grayson Dior Buck, and he is going to go by Gray. And he's so beautiful. So we ended up going up to Utah over the 4th. It was supposed to be just kind of our big family vacation that we planned six months ago where we would all get together. And then, of course, everything happened and we had a wedding and we had Mm -hmm. a baby and all of these other things. So we ended up in Utah over the 4th. And because of all the scheduling with everybody else, like we had this big place we got in Park City. And it turned out that you, me, and Sam hung out there yeah. by ourselves for like four days because Max and Savannah were out of the hospital and Ellen Michael out of the things. And so, yeah. And then you guys went fishing. So it was really like me kicking it with a book, wandering around in Park City by myself. It so, was. I can't remember. Have we recorded since? Then? No, we haven't. Oh, my it's goodness. Been a, it's been a hot minute. So if anybody likes fl- fishing, the fly fishing was amazing on the middle Provo River. We had a green drake hatch. It was just unbelievable. So... Anyway, but that's not the point. <laughs> I that feel like was... Charlie Brown's teacher. Wah, 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 wah. <laughs> I don't mean that in a we- in a rude kind of way. But I hardly, I hardly sorry. remember it because of our grandchild. <laughs> yes, and so Max and Savannah did come up 
a couple different times. They were nervous to stay the whole time away from the hospital because she kept going in and out of labor. But she was so funny. I'll have to post a video, a whole conglomeration video, because she went for a run to get the baby to come. And then the next night we played Trick Frisbee and (laughs) all these crazy trick shots. And she's doing ninja kicks and she she? did flips. Yeah, she's. Yeah. Yeah. And then she delivered a baby like 30 hours later. Yeah. So it's it's pretty amazing. Well, but she's day, pretty amazing. So so it was on the end of the trip. We were supposed to be going home that day. And then she went into labor. And we're like, well, we can't drive home. Yeah. So without... we just hung out for a couple more days. And So, yeah, we had to do a little finagling at work, reshuffling some appointments. Oh, and but she's got a so hotel beautiful. by the hospital. And we just waited until we could go in and see the little guy. So. He's so cute. And we're headed up there again for... For the week, so yes. we're super excited to see him. So we'll post pictures so that you can all see the most spectacular baby ever to have been born to all <laughs> mankind. So <laughs> until our next grandchild, <laughs> yeah. So that's the exciting thing. All right. Well, the other thing, what we wanted to do is talk about something that happened yesterday, July sixteenth. Um, the new nine eight eight number. The uh, mental health crisis number that is sort of replacing the suicide hotline or lifeline, I guess, became active yesterday. So this has been a long time coming. We had Debbie Plotnick on months ago, and she was talking about how on a national level that this change was going to be coming. And I remember her saying, yeah, it's going to be uh, coming in July of 2022. And it seemed like forever away. It was Again, it was months and months ago we had her on. So it's kind mm-hmm. of exciting that the day was yesterday. It came to fruition. So we'll, de- we'll be talking through all of that. So, yeah, in 2020, President Trump actually signed a bipartisan bill. Um, this is a crisis in America. The uh, U.S. Surgeon General called mental illness a devastating crisis among young people. And in fact, they talked about it's the second uh, leading cause of death in two age groups, 10 what to 14. Groups? That's insane. So young, 10 to 14. That's crazy. And then 25 to 34. Wow. So... Regardless of political party, everybody's recognizing that this is something that we need to get behind. So, um, Well, on the whole suicide hotline number, I mean, I remember even when I was in high school and as a kid hearing the suicide hotline number, and here we are neck deep in the mental illness world and yeah. life. And if you gave me a million dollars, I couldn't tell you what that number is. No. Because it's I It's a 10 digit it. number. Yeah. I do remember it's 1 800 something. Something that spells suicide ish <laughs> something. I don't know. That'll get you started. <laughs> How hard can it be after You could end up there or <laughs> ShamWow, like the, the ShamWow company ordering in bulk. I don't or, know which number it'll get you. Or some One sketchy of the phone numbers. You just don't know. <laughs> so you want to get it right. but So instead, they came up with like a, a, the 911. Essentially, it's 911 for mental health issues. So it's 988. One of the issues they said is people were calling the 911 number when they were having a mental health crisis. Uh, mm-hmm. an emergency and they found that it wasn't that effective because what happens is people call the 911 number you know they get to somebody and they're routed to local police oh my gosh are you going to tell the story that you told me earlier that i about I... had a heart attack over <laughs> i'm like what <laughs> well and yes we'll tell you the the story um but the the whole concept behind this 988 number is that the police aren't really equipped to deal with mental health issues. We really need mental health professionals to be involved. So they came up with this idea. Let's split 
911 emergencies go here, 988 emergencies go here, and hopefully, now there is crossover. I mean, the police and the yeah. 911 and 988 are supposed to communicate and work together, but they're separate. There's, speaking of the police requiring, needing to respond to these mental health crises, I think I brought this up a long time ago, but my workout partner for years, Jana, her husband is a police officer. He's now a SWAT officer, but he mm-hmm. has responded to a lot of these mental health calls in the past. And I've begged him to come on. He's a shy guy. He won't do it. <laughs> I'm like, please, please come on. Like, what an interesting perspective. So I think I'm going to harass him at the gym again. I offered him donuts. No go. No, no go. go. I think I might offer him some like creatine or something like that. <laughs> So no pun intended. I'm real. SWAT officer is a different level. Okay. Not only that, he's jacked. I'll see if I can uh, convince him to either come on or give us somebody who will, because I would just love to have that conversation. I also saw, I was watching some videos on the internet about this, and this lady was talking about the problem that her son had years ago when he was having a mental health crisis. Yeah, this is the horrific story. This is the horrific story. Yeah. Uh, so he apparently was uh, contemplating suicide and called 911. He got routed to local police officer. I don't know where it was. This police officer, when he learned that he was about to commit suicide, told him that if he did, he would go to hell. And really, he just needed to find a good church. Oh, my gosh. So. <laughs> I just snort laughed in the microphone. Oh, my gosh. I feel so, like there had to have been more to the conversation than that. I have a real hard time we're giving believing them the benefit of the doubt. we are. I have a yeah. real hard time believing anybody would get on the phone in that situation. Yeah. But I don't doubt at all that when the kid got off the phone, that that's what he heard. And that's what yeah. he remembered from the conversation. So if that police officer is listening and wants to call in and let us know <laughs> the other side of the story. We're open ears. We're look, bipartisan here. That's right. We'd like to hear both sides. I've just heard the mother's side. <laughs> so we'll withhold judgment. But obviously, uh, that officer probably wasn't well-trained. No. In... Well, and why would people be well-trained? I mean, they're, Yeah different. These are different things. You know, I saw another statistic that said police officers spend 20% of their time dealing with mental health issues. You know, it was crazy. Jana, I mean, again, when we started the podcast, she told me, she grabbed a handful of books and she told me that her husband hands them out when Mm -hmm. he goes on these mental health calls, Yeah, which was crazy to me. Like we had never had a conversation about it before, but that was the first time I realized what a huge portion of their time and energy and resources mm-hmm. and dangerous situations that they respond to, how many of them really have to do with mental health yeah. crises and mental illness issues. Mm-hmm. So. so the idea is we separate, we get them to mental health professionals and we let the police officers do what they do best and it's all going to work out better. Now, the Biden administration has allocated like $432 million to support the 988 system, and that sounds like a huge number, right? Yeah. Um, but it's still underfunded. How is it underfunded? Like, how much do you need to fund this, I guess? Well, so let me just give you some statistics. So in 2021, the Lifeline, the suicide hotline, basically. That I don't remember the number for. That you don't that the 10-digit number Got that it. you can't remember. It received 3.6 million calls, chats, and texts. Okay. So 3.6 million. They expect this to double the first year. Well, because people will remember it. Right. So that's 7.2 million calls. That's a lot. That's a lot of calls. 
And so they've estimated they need $560 million per year just to handle the phone calls. Okay. And that's And a lot. so now we're at $30 million or whatever was allocated. $430. Okay. Yeah. So we have $430. We need $560. But that's every year. Wow. What they're talking about doing when President Trump uh, passed this law, the idea was that states were going to con- contribute as well. And so the idea was you're going to put some kind of tax on your cell phone bill like they do for 911 funding. But only so far, only four states have done that. What four states? Those would be Washington, Nevada, Colorado, and Virginia. Okay. So nobody else has done this. I think they're in the works. But part of the problem is everybody's a little bit late. And we just launched 988 yesterday. And the legislatures around the country are still... You know, dinker. So, are there not people to answer the phone calls? Well, they think that initially there will be because it's going to ramp up. The other interesting statistic is they said last year, 80% of Americans had never heard of 988. And so they expect that, you know, it. It's going to be lower at the beginning. Well, if people listen to the podcast, they did. Because Debbie Plotnick told us and all of our listeners about it months ago. Well, and right now. That's right. We're just going to blow it up right now. <laughs> and all, we're in 30 countries now. That's right. Us and 30, our one listener in each of the 30 countries. <laughs> <laughs> kidding. We're kidding. We're kidding. We love you all. <laughs> so anyway, so it, the the funding thing is is crazy. and uh, But we'll see. It's a step in the right direction. The other interesting thing is, you know, talking about the suicide hotline, your 10-digit number that we don't remember, Mm -hmm. they said like 15% of the calls went unanswered. Wow. And 44% of the texts went unanswered. I cannot even comprehend. Like when you are in that spot, when you are to the point where you're reaching out to ask for help if there is not a response there i suppose they don't have any type of statistic after that do they that like what happens or if they're not yeah if there isn't a response in some way shape or form whether they call back yeah they call back or or if there's an attempt afterwards well and then and then i found in the first half of 2022 on the hotline there were 500,000 calls and 42% went unanswered. Oh my gosh, that just makes me sick to my stomach. So you can see the problem. In all fairness, it's been underfunded. The governments have not been funding this, so they've been yeah. operating with nonprofits and some other things. Well, and, and to be honest, if we have go to church and or go to right. hell, you know, find yourself a good church, like, never mind, you're better off having nobody answer that call. <laughs> I don't know. You're maybe better off. Really, the vision for this 988 number is not just phone calls. They want states to to fund, like, mobile crisis teams. Okay. Because sometimes you can just talk to people. That's like what they just did in Florida. Sometimes people just need someone to talk to, but sometimes there needs to be some intervention. There needs to be some uh, visit to the home or something, and that's what they call these mobile crisis teams or crisis stabilization units. And so the idea is states will fund this, and they'll have this robust response when somebody calls in that is in need of help. So the vision is ambitious. I think it's a, it's worthy. It would be amazing. I mean, this sounds amazing to have a 988 number instead of 
instead of, you know, the number that people don't remember or you have to look up or whatever else. But if you get the training on the end, I know that that's what we talked with Debbie Plotnick about is their specific peer training services Mm -hmm. for the people who are going to be on the other end of these 988 calls. Yeah. So which which would be amazing. I have a a call that I made um, like it wasn't to the suicide hotline. It was to an inpatient treatment facility. Mm. This is when we lived in Vegas. Yeah. Years ago. Yeah. This was a long time ago. And I was. Yeah. Things were not sorted out. I was a mess and I was definitely suicidal and I was in that spot. Mm -hmm. And I called this inpatient treatment facility. It was not for mental health. It was an eating disorder clinic. Yeah. Surprise, everybody. You thought you knew everything about me. Surprise. <laughs> yeah, I struggled with the eating disorder for years. But when I called just to get information about this facility, I was, I mean, I was not in a great place. So the person on the other end was so well trained and handled this like a champ. Like I, I really credit them for, I mean, keeping me safe. I don't know how it would have worked out otherwise. And when I called the facility, I was just kind of asking questions. I'm like, tell me about your facility. How much does it cost? Like, how soon can I start? I'll be there tomorrow <laughs> kind of thing. And, and how, would now work? <laughs> like, be, are you, do you have a lunch break? Are you available now? Now. Is there an opening in five minutes? Yeah. So the, the gal was awesome though. She was just kind of like, okay, tell me why you're calling me. What is it that you're needing? And and it became clear I was in a crisis. And she said, are you okay? Are you thinking about suicide? And I was kind of like, well, I mean, I'm not not thinking about it. I'm not thinking about it, but I'm not not thinking about it. And she's like, would you do it? Like, again, I wouldn't do it, but I wouldn't not do it either. <laughs> so when I was not okay. And she said, do you have somebody close to you that you can talk to about this? And I said, yes. And she asked if it was okay if she called. And then she called you at work. Mm-hmm. And you came racing home. Like, that had to have been a terrifying call for you to get. Yeah. And you came racing but home. glad to get it. Mm-hmm. I mean, you want to know. What do you think they did right? What did you What like? she did right is the first thing she did is she understood quickly that a crisis was happening. This right. wasn't like... I don't know. And Didn't and I think maybe everybody, who, right. I think everybody who maybe calls in a situation like that, you're calling a crisis line. It's a crisis call. Mm-hmm. And again, we'll refer back to this amazing officer who we just are misunderstanding That's right. a little bit. We're real sorry. But, but like he just wasn't understanding necessarily. Mm-hmm. Maybe he was. I don't know. Maybe he was over it and he was having a bad day. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But she understood the crisis. She was not patronizing or condescending. In any way. She was very supportive and she was kind of like, oh, okay, tell me what's happening. All right. Do you have somebody that can be there for you? And the thing that I really appreciated was like, is it okay if I call this person? I mean, she asked my permission. Like she just treated me with such care and respect in such a, a dark, awful time. And I look back on that situation and think, what if she hadn't called you? Right. What what would that have played out like? Because I did not attempt suicide at that time. We kicked the can down the road for a solid three more years before that happened. <laughs> well, and she she could have easily just said, Look, she could have just my said, problem. well, because there wasn't any room in their program. She could have just been like, you know Look, what? We're real full. Good luck, ma'am. I think you should really get some help. Yeah. But thanks for calling. Yeah, she, she, didn't. she didn't. She stopped even when they didn't have room in the program. She was very concerned about me. Right. And the questions she was asking were, number one, 
Like, are you, have you considered suicide? And when the answer was yes, she followed up with, okay, is it something you're thinking about now? Is it something that you would do? Mm-hmm. Is there somebody you can talk to about this? Is it okay if I call that person? There's a way to do it respectfully, and there's a way to do it that feels really patronizing. You just got to be careful with the line there, you know? I think number one, and we've referred to this before, if someone comes to you and they're suicidal, you can't freak out on them. Right. And I think maybe that's sometimes when people, yeah, she was was very calm. Yes. Yeah. She was not mincing words and she wasn't afraid to ask the questions either. It just has to be done in a way that's very respectful and and not panicked. Yeah. You can't panic. Well, the other thing I like that she did is she wanted to loop in somebody that was close to you. Yes, because she clearly she she's not. I it. mean, she was halfway across the country. Right. That sort of reminds me, you had a similar situation where somebody reached out to you via text. Yes, yes. I, and... I get texts and calls frequently. I did get a text. And it was very direct. It was kind of like, how do you know if you're suicidal? And it was out of the blue. No precursor, no conversations ahead of time. It was just somebody that I knew. I immediately picked up the phone and called. They started crying. And (laughs) yeah, because that's where they were at. So you need people close by. I went over and picked them up and we went on a drink run because that's what we do. Non-alcoholic because that's not helpful (laughs) when you're suicidal, you know. Well, I remember another one where somebody reached out that was suicidal and you connected with them, but also then uh, you were able to reach out to their spouse and just to make sure that everybody was on the same page. And My biggest concern, and this is what the, the gal did such a good job when I made that crisis phone call to her, is number one, okay, who do you have in your life? Is it okay if I call them and loop them in? Right. And so when people call me or there's a crisis situation happening, I'm a really good responder. I know how, I know what it feels like and I know how to stay calm and I feel like I have enough insight that I can be a good listener, but I also am not the support team, right? right? I'm not in a lot of people's lives. I, I don't have a big enough role where I can go in on a daily basis and make sure you're safe because sometimes it requires... Like, why don't we come and hang out and watch a movie for the next five days? Right. <laughs> Let's do that until we can get into the psychiatrist or get on meds or whatever yeah. it is that we're needing to do. Like, so you, you need, need somebody, somebody to, you. to do that. Yeah. And so when I get calls like this or texts or messages like that, then my first course of action is to do the same thing that this gal did is, all right, who do you have in your life? Is this person aware of the situation? And then hand off. Right. Hand off. Like, I'm here to listen and I'm really good at that. But I'm going to hand off because I can't show up for everybody. And it's way too dangerous for me to be the only person who knows this. So when I looked at this 988 number, and it's amazing. I think it's a good step forward. I'm super excited because we're going to follow up with Debbie and Mm -hmm. get some more information about the training that's going into the people who are answering this. So So. that's interesting. I also found out that when you call that number, um, it routes you to the closest crisis center to you and if they're busy and they can't answer it it rolls to a backup and to a backup and to it so they're creating this network all across the united states of all these crisis centers and they're hopefully going to be able to help each other out so that more of the calls get answered in my view it needs to be supported by us and what i mean Mm -hmm. by that is 
everybody can be their own little mini 988 number, just like Well, you if are. people know, though, right. you know, I mean, hopefully everybody will find out about 988, but the question should be, okay, who who do you have that can take your hand and walk with you now? Right. And I know a lot of people reach out to you mm-hmm. and ask That's for That's because I'm real loud about it. Yeah. <laughs> Every, I had the funniest experience. We had some new neighbors move in. I don't know. It's been a couple years ago. We're really good friends with them now. And uh, when they first moved in, we got to know each other and we were, we became friends. And it probably was a year into our friendship. She came to me with a mental illness related question. She was like, yeah, Dan and I were just racking our brains trying to figure out who do we know that has experience with this? And I started laughing. I'm like, and then you remembered your neighbor across the street who won't shut up about it. (laughs) She started laughing. She's like, no, no, actually, it was so nice to know because it's not something they would have ever asked us about. So I think that's something that we can do because if the 988 number gets overloaded, then it's going to be less Less effective. effective. So I think just... Even people that we've had on, guests that we've had on, have told us that after they were on, other people started reaching out to them. Mm-hmm. And they become so, little mini crisis hotlines. Yeah. Yeah. I think if we had everybody in their own circle of influence be a little bit of a, a crisis hotline, uh, that could be effective too. And yeah. not that we're going to replace or need to replace the 988 number because that's awesome. No, no. And we're not trying to. But But supplementing and helping... You know, it's going to take a Herculean effort to address, you know, the, the crisis, that yes. is a mental health crisis in America. So things that I thought we could wrap up on, things that you can do to help. I think one thing is you can get active in state legislature and encourage them to fund these programs. Katie McPherson that we had on, I don't know, maybe a month ago or so, has gotten some real traction in the education area with legislation there. So we're really excited for her and proud of her. And we'll have her back on to at some point to talk about the changes that are being made there. Yeah. So if you want to promote that in your state, uh, another thing is maybe you can raise awareness of the 988 number. You know, if 80% of Americans don't even know about it, uh, getting the word out so that people that need it will use it and it can be beneficial. I saw yesterday on my feed, I was not thinking about the date. I knew that the date was coming up just because, like I said, we talked about it months ago with Debbie. But yesterday on my Instagram feed, I'm like, I don't know how anybody isn't aware of this. Literally Hmm. two dozen stories posted about the 988. And then I realized almost all of the accounts I follow are mental illness (laughs) accounts or mommy meme accounts. Those are my two. I I am. I'm like, we're all aware. What do you mean there's 80% of people who have no idea what's happening here? But uh, I surround myself with like-minded people. We we are all aware of the 988 number. Good job, team. (laughs) Probably in your sphere, 80% of us are In my sphere, 98% of us are aware. And then the final thing that we talked about is just being a connection in your circle of influence, being open, uh, being empathetic. And, and then if people need to be connected with, um, you know, people in their lives that can help them, then you can be that support. That was a good job. Good job, babe. Thanks. Thanks for all the research. We really appreciate it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, we're very excited about the 988 number. I know. It just happened yesterday. So it's very timely and, uh, you know, we'll keep tabs on it and hopefully it'll be a wild success. Yeah. Thank you to all of you for listening. I feel like I just want to say like a general shout out to the whole uh, 
like the whole support team, everyone, like all the people who are aware of mental illness issues, all the people who support and reach out and psychiatrists and psychologists and like just the people who talk and listen and the openness that surrounds it now is so different than when we started dealing with all of this 20 years ago. Like it is a whole different landscape and I am so happy that it's different for all the people that this is new for and trying to deal with. And and so happy that now we can hopefully be part of a solution and a stronger support so that there isn't the same kind of isolation and loneliness and lack of resources mm-hmm. that get you in trouble in the first place. So well good said. job, team. Good job. Good job, team. We love you all. <laughs> High fives to everyone. <laughs> all the way around. <laughs> <laughs> Well, if you have questions you'd like to submit or topics that you'd like to see covered, you can submit them on Instagram at Thriving With Mental Illness. If you like this podcast, rate it and share it with a friend. Remember, there are no topics that are off limits and no questions that aren't okay to ask. We will see you next time. See you next time.